Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Guys, we cannot thank you enough for your continual support as we evolve and build this this podcast. And in conjunction with our website, we want to thank you by offering uh, a drawing for you guys to enter. So if you go to the website at onemosaic.life, enter your email so that you can be a part of the circle, our growing group of conscious men and women, where we keep you up to date on the podcast, our events, and other things that could serve your life. When you enter the circle in the month of May, you'll be entered into a drawing. And at the end of the month, we will draw for the Mosaic Life Vibe box. In that box, two books, one handpicked by me, one picked by Trey, a journal for you to track your life, track your thoughts, track your goals, your insights, and some other awesome pieces to set a vibe in your room, in your house, in the place that you worship your life and your, and your, your highest self so that you can have the greatest vibe to become the best person that you can be. So go to the website, onemosaic.life, check it out, enter the circle, and get in for the drawing. Boom. Take care. All right, folks, I'm super excited for you to be tuning in today. Um, This has been just evolving into the most beautiful creation. And, and, And the people that we're getting on for you for us to learn from. I, I learn from these people and I'm trying to really dig into their lives and then for you to, to distill whatever is necessary for your life from these interviews. Uh, it's getting more and more exciting by the conversations that we're having. And, and I'm, I'm bringing the excitement from, from the actual interview because we've already recorded this interview that I'm introducing and there's so much to take from it. Nathan Kohlerman, he is the founder of New Intention, and uh, you you can find the link in the bi- in the uh, information the podcast notes there, but uh, he, I mean he's like self proclaimed psycho spiritual uh, coach, which is is a, it's a it's a strange term as you hear it maybe, but the the impetus behind that is incredible because engaging with him, it looks like you're 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 going to him to get better health physical health you know to be more cut, to have stronger muscles. Uh, but, but what you get from engaging with him, it completely breaks apart your concepts of yourself and your world and, and helps you to evolve as a person. And, and he's, he's, got, he's got so much going on, but his main focus is just showing up in whatever place he's, he's at and transforming the people in, in that room or, or listening to that podcast or in that Facebook group. And so I invite you to listen to this and take whatever you can from it for yourself and to also go and engage with him in some way so that you can glean the insights that he's bringing um, on his Instagram, in his private Facebook group, in his one-on-one coaching, uh, and just really milk it for whatever you can because it's a very powerful connection. Uh, I'm very excited to bring you this interview and I can't wait for you guys to listen. Welcome to the Mosaic Life Podcast. Life is an art, every moment a picture painted in time. The color, texture, lighting, all context. The Mosaic Life vision is to cast a warm glow on your masterpiece, highlighting the struggle while showcasing the culmination of years of hard work. Join us for guided meditations, interviews with authors and leaders, and engaging conversation as we explore the depths of our consciousness. Welcome, guys, to the Mosaic Life Podcast. Um, we are excited today, Trey and I, to bring you an amazing man. Um, we met him recently through a, a very great friend of ours, Bree Showman. 
Uh, Nathan Coleman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It's amazing to be on, guys. I'm really excited for this. Yeah, yeah, likewise. And, uh, and Trey and I have been just really getting excited about um, the type of momentum that we're feeling build with this thing that we've created. And it, and it feels really good to have you on the podcast right now because um, uh, the places that we're going with this, um, it feels like a lot of your journey, and I say this from what I've learned from your social media and from the few conversations that I've had, um, but the places that we're going with this and the and the depth that we're taking the conversations, you feel like the perfect person to have on the podcast right now with the experiences you've had, where it's brought you, and uh, and 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 the way you speak about that. Now you just have a really um, great way of explaining it, and, and I hope that our listeners really dive into this episode in particular. I, I already know that it's going to have um, a lot of potential impact. But but before we get too far into it, I'd love if you could just um, you know, explain a bit about what you're focused on for yourself. And it could be about your business or it could be in, in your personal life. Uh, what's most impactful for you right now? And then we can just kind of go from there. Beautiful. Yeah. And, you know, I'll kind of touch on both. So, you know, just in my own personal journey, I, I went through a pretty traumatic injury in March of 2017. And that's what propelled me on the path I am today in not only resolving my own injuries and my own pains and my own issues and traumas, but, you know, during the rehabilitation process of my hand, you know, being a former bodybuilder, power lifter, I, I felt like I lost my identity, my purpose, and my overall functionality as a, as a human being. So, you know, during that rehabilitation process, I was, I was not only rehabbing my, my hand, but I was, I was rehabbing my mind. You know, during that process, it was probably one of the most challenging times in which you know, I, I remember distinctly the time I was brushing my teeth, learning how to use my left hand because I had torn my dominant hand open. And I just dropped the toothbrush and, and I just collapsed on the ground crying. Mm. Like I just felt absolutely powerless and being a 253 pound bodybuilder at the time and being just a, just a massive human being, you know, I just felt so small, and so weak. And, you know, I had contemplated ending my life. Like what good was I as a bodybuilder? What good was I as a powerlifter, as a trainer, as a dad, even not even being able to play on the ground with my, with my kids. And, you know, that's kind of when it hit me. And one of my clients had reached out to me, you know, shortly after that and invited me into Landmark, which is a, you know, transformational training program. And that was my first introduction into, into doing the work. And ever since then, about May, 2017, I haven't been on my journey long, you know, going on about three years on my, on my personal development journey. And I've just dove all in. So, you know, carrying through different experiences with mastering transmission of training out of Los Angeles and, and digging more into spirituality and going inward, going within, you know, not going into any type of you know, religious domination or anything, but really just experiencing what it was to be a human and what it was to be in this experience that we call life. And throughout this process, I've, I've discovered my shadows with codependency that stem from abuse and addiction and all these traumas that I had suppressed throughout my entire life. So, you know, fast forwarding to now, you know, I'm still not even close to being, you know, quote unquote, 
done with the work and and quite frankly i don't think i ever will be nor anyone you know i think that's our purpose is, is constant evolution constant ascension constant elevation of ourselves with individuals so now you know what i'm really finding especially during these times especially is, is just being with myself and becoming more secure with being still being more secure with with being by myself and not operating from a place of chasing every single desire and every single addiction and every single craving I might have to, to reach out when I'm feeling lonely or to mm. always have to have someone nearby to have that security blanket because I've always wanted to be nurtured and cared for. And, you know, that's what I'm experiencing now is really just being alone, you know, with the closures and with the social distancing and everything happening. Like I am, put in a place where I, I can now experience that and being single for the first time since I was 14 years old, it's a, it's a really challenging experience. I've always had a woman taking care of me. I've always had a partner. I've always had someone doing something for me. And now it's like, I'm, I'm dating myself. I'm being with myself. I'm rediscovering. And if not only now, just discovering things I like to do by myself and I'm learning like things I like, things I don't like. And now I'm actually for the first time in my life, being 27 years old, learning how to establish boundaries and knowing when to say no instead of saying yes to every single opportunity that comes through the door. So on the personal side of things, it's, it's a challenging but beautiful process. That's so important. That's so important. Being able to be comfortable being alone. You know, like you said, especially right now when so many people are dealing with loneliness truly for the first time in so long and succumbing to those cravings, whether that be food, whether that be drugs, alcohol, or even, you know, porn, anything like that. And knowing how to say no to that because you have higher callings to pursue. I, I, I love that. And that's such an important lesson, truly. And I mean, it, as we dig into this, any piece of wisdom that you can share that has helped you come to that point where you can say, no, I, I'm not doing this to myself because I know it's not good for me. You know, I, we, I'm mm. sure the listeners would love to hear that. Yeah. I mean, right off the bat, like one, one of the main focal points is I've always been outwardly seeking physical and sexual validation. You know, I, I never got super deep into porn, you know, of course, in my teenage years and, and while I was in the military, um, that was definitely a struggle of mine. You know, now it doesn't really cross my mind to go into that, but, you know, just being, you know, a fit guy with good looks and, you know, a good head on his shoulders with a, with a, very conscious outlook on life, you know, I, I know that I'm an attractive person to other people. So it's, it's not hard for me to just find somebody and immediately indulge in that. And, you know, to have a woman approach me and to me automatically just say, okay, let's go. Right. It's, it's really easy to go there. And I'm, and I'm now discovering like to not pursue those, those physical or sexual desires, but really learning how to connect with, someone a woman and you know take take the sexuality the physicality out of it and i'm just learning how to connect more in general and one thing that i'm really focusing on is is connecting to other men like i've always been in a position you know and this kind of comes from my childhood of not being able to trust male figures in my life and i've always been very resistant to authority you know whether that have been 
you know, in martial arts with my sensei, you know, very resistant, always challenging something, always defying authority, always wanting to do things my way and not being open to, you know, other, you know, male guidance on, Hey, like this is, this is how I see something. And, and can you see this as a different perspective as, as for you as a man? So, you know, now moving into a, a different realm, and this is a, a conversation I was, I was having with Ernie is going and in, in diving into men's coaching because that is what's been calling me. And I, I'm finding throughout this process, as I'm starting to distance myself from physical and sexual validation from women, I'm actually starting to seek more intellectual and more emotional connection with men and really having the, the vulnerable, authentic, genuine conversations and connections to, to share that space and, and to also offer a different perspective and, and be that space for other men. So coming from, you know, bodybuilding in the military and, and all these different masks and identities that I used to wear, now I'm able to, to show up in a different way. And now I can now pursue different endeavors. And this is kind of on the business thing that I'm striving for now, you know, going from a personal trainer into a psycho-spiritual transformational coach for men and being able to bring that foundation of health and wellness and, and helping and educating and empowering other men to say, these are the tools that I had before. And these will, these will make you a strong man. These will make you feel good. These will make you move good. This, this will make you a better father, a better business owner, a better brother, a better husband, whatever your mask or your identity or your role that you're currently serving in. But now let's look at a different perspective. Let's look at how your, your mind is operating. Look at, let's look at things that are possibly holding you back. And let's, let's really dig in and, and have, a vulnerable conversation where you can feel safe with another man to where now you don't have that feeling of being, you know, emasculated. You know, if you're, if you're in a therapy session with a woman, you know, we feel very safe with women, you know, with, with women being very nurturing mother figures and we feel very comfortable, but it's like, how often are we doing that with men? Like, did we really have that as a, with our fathers? And if we didn't have that with our fathers, can we start reframing and changing that in a, in a coaching platform and in a different environment to, to now start healing deeper wounds than we even knew we had. And can we transition that? And can we propel that forward using our personal and, and professional development with that frame? Dude, you know, I was in a, a, a men's program last year. <clears throat> I, I talk about it all the time on here, but it was like I gained 10 years of maturity from it. But the, the point I'm making here is um, John Wineland, the, the leader, the facilitator of this program, he would, he would say things like, uh, you know, are you here to have a better relationship, um, to make more money, to heal your relationship with men? And every time he would say, heal your relationship with men, I was like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It just wasn't me. Like I immediately was like, that's, that's not me. That's ridiculous. My relationship's fine. What I found over the next year, being around 50 to 60 incredibly powerful and wise men that I had trouble with my relationship with with powerful men and, and that I something was happening within me, a closure that I wasn't aware of. So when you talk about, you know, seeing that opening it up for yourself and then, um, and then giving that to the world in the best way possible, I'm like, hell yes, man, it makes so much sense to, to be in that spot where, where you've distanced yourself from things that weren't serving you and you came to an authentic place uh, of service and, and now taking that to other men. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of what I realized. It's like, 
everything that I've been experiencing in my relationships and everything that I've even experienced just from a professional place. You know, it's like, why am I always in this comparison mode? Or why am I defying this authority? Or why am I always competing against other men instead of collaboration? You know, when I when I feel like all I've really sought for is community and culture and connection, you know, going from sports, going from the military, going into bodybuilding in the fitness industry, and now being a being a solopreneur, it's like this is the time in the last, you know, almost three years now I've been on my own in this business aspect where I've realized like, wow, I can't do everything alone. And some of the most powerful mentors I, I have in, in my corner are men. And, you know, I haven't been taking a lot of action, you know, and I, I trace that back to, again, the relationship behind it and, and the healing that is to be done. And for that to happen, you know, to take massive action, you know, I need to have that clarity and, and not only that, but if I can do that for myself, you know, there, there are a lot of other people who need that too, you know? Yeah. You, you know, a question comes up personally, and then I think it would also be uh, of service for, for other people to see this for themselves. But, but I want to just pose it to you and see what comes up. You, you know, we, we can, we can realize that our life is kind of sideways for whatever reason, because we're drawn to certain things or we're using certain things to cover up, you know, what we're not dealing with. And then we can strip all of that away in a similar fashion to what you've done um, with consciously distancing yourself from the, the validation of women, or, you know, you didn't have a choice. You had to distance yourself for, for the quarantine. And, and so a lot of these things are, are cut out and, and you've, you've distilled your essence down to, well, you've distilled yourself down to your essence and, and then you move forward with something that's real, that, that really comes from this inspiration within you. Um, for me, I get to that place sometimes and then I, and then I follow that inspiration. And then there's a moment where it just kind of takes a, a right turn or even just like beers off the road a little bit. And it starts to come from that validation place. I wonder if, if there's a way that, that you see consciously to, to bring that to fruition and to monitor what, when, like, when it goes from spirit, you know, acting from spirit to acting from an egoic validation type place. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, you know, is driving for more of a spirit place now, you know, and, and I think it was an accumulation of several things that just happened back to back. Like my last serious relationship ended back in November, you know, and I'm still, you know, kind of feeling the blunt of that, but now kind of recovering from that. And that's kind of where I consciously saw, like, I'm, I need to distance myself from this validation point. You know, now, again, like with quarantine, it's become more apparent. It's just loudly putting itself in front of me. Mm. Is that kind of what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. And I guess, you know, um, and you, and this might be a process you're working through too, but it's certainly uh, something that I, you know, I usually don't realize when I've skewed away from going, coming from spirit. Like I usually come from spirit towards something. And then there's a moment where I tell myself I'm still coming from spirit, but I'm actually coming from ego or in a different place. And, and, uh, and for me, a lot of times I don't realize it until I'm face down in the dirt and I'm like, Oh shit, I was, it was back there, you know, a mile ago that I started walking on a different path. And, and I just, I wonder what, you know, maybe it's practices in your daily life, or maybe it's, it's a, Maybe it's something, a motto that you have or a mantra, but ways that you maintain 
connecting to your spirit in order to be coming from that place that you've, you know, touched on now. Yeah. Okay. That makes a little more sense. So, yeah, I mean, I get, a, I get a little wordy. So just, <laughs> just bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. I totally get it. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of different practices, you know, one of the most beneficial practices and one of the most beneficial healings I've gone through is gateway healing. And that's a energetic and, and spiritual healing practice that, you know, I've been, I've been taught, I've been trained in and I've, I've gone through, um, and even more recently, you know, she, my, my teacher, Katie, she, she created this. And during my reading, you know, sat down for about an hour and a half before, and then we go into the 45 minute, you know, breath work with spiritual connection, healing session. And then there's a, there's a 10 to 15 minute integration period afterwards. But during this reading, you know, she had shared with me that you are doing too much in our work which was surprising to me because I've always thought that I have to deeply reflect on everything. I have to sit in meditation every day. I have to, you know, journal about my thoughts and my emotions and I have to find the deeper reason behind everything. And I have to, I have to extract it and I need to pull it apart and I need to find the root cause of everything. When in reality, it's just like the most beneficial practice I can do for myself is, is just being gentle with it and just observing it and then, you know, cradling it, you know, because, and this is where like the egoic part of my work came in where it's like, I've developed such a hyper awareness to these things now to where now if I am, if, if I'm sitting in a meditation, I immediately notice it, you know, I, I haven't been gentle with myself. I've been like pushing it away and saying, no, that's not right. That's not how I want to be. This is how I'm going to show up. This is how I'm going to do it. And it's very, my masculine, very my masculine where I had to create a structure and a system and a process, which is, you know, how I, you know, started my journey. You know, of course, like I, I wanted to remain consistent with my meditation, consistent with my journaling, you know, going to breath work every single week and, and extracting all of these things and also incorporating different plant medicines and going deep into my psyche, deep into my subconscious and, and having this almost obsession to heal my soul and always trying to fix something mm. you know and I've, I've, I've done a lot of healing modalities you know going through whether it be a transmissional training seminar whether it be going into breath work whether it be meditation you know take all of those things and wrap it together and those are just a lot of different modalities but now looking back it's it's saying and, and spirit says to me like it, it's time to just let yourself be and know that like you're you're fine right now you know, and going through these healings, it's it's really interesting to now look at healing as not so much as an as an inward process, but now just being present. Like that is probably the most powerful process I can because when I'm when I'm being present, my ego doesn't have a chance to step in and say, "Okay, Nathan, you have the awareness." So let's make sure that you stay and, and veer away from every single possibility of you falling back into those old patterns. But if you do those old patterns, now you're not on your journey. Now you're not healing. Now you're just going against yourself. Now you're a hypocrite, right? Wow. So it's it's been really interesting to see these practices kind of unfold to now having this you know, hyper-awareness and this conscious awareness that everybody talks about, but knowing that this conscious awareness is is actually just 
giving my ego an opportunity to step in even more. So now the, the, the main practice I have is just being fully present, just fully present and just being 100% completely gentle with anything that shows up and just being more accepting of just who I am and how I am. Like, a, like I was on this relentless journey to change things about myself and to transform. When in reality, that's just not, that's just not me in a way, you know? And, and I have this hyper-awareness so I can choose to show up in certain ways. But when these things happen, you know, I'm not aggressive towards myself, you know? And that's just a, a recent discovery. And this is now a practice I plan on implementing is just taking action with clarity in the present moment and not forcing myself to, to have to sit in meditation every day because I'm such an inward person where even while I'm working with a client and I'm, and I'm right there with them, like that's a meditation of its own. But I had to like completely rewire, restructure my definition of, of what being mindful was or what being in the practice was. How long yeah. <clears throat> it so? We, we've we've had various conversations with uh, different folks. Um, Scott comes to mind. We we talked about spiritual awakenings and how they can be sudden. But it sounds like here in your case, and very similar to my case, it was very gradual. I mean, how over what period of time did you realize that you were capable of this introspection and able to to tame your ego in a sense that it, it was not harmful to you anymore. I mean, it, for me, it was a, a multi-year process. And you said that you're 27, still in your 20s, which is amazing because I was an idiot in my 20s and I, I didn't come to being myself until my early 30s. But what, what I guess, how long was that road for you? I, obviously, we're still on it. But, you know, when did you realize, okay, this is the place where I, I know I'm on the right track? Yeah, I mean... It was actually, you know, and I thankfully had a, had a very sudden realization, you know, going through that landmark training program. I remember, you know, they, they had us, you know, talk to one person or write someone a letter in our past who, you know, we had all these stories made up about. It was the first time I heard this language of a story, a racket, self-loving belief and how we show up, you know, the language in which, you know, transformation. I feel as a community would speak that language. And it's the first time I had started hearing words like that. And looking at that, like the first time I had created that story about my father and, you know, how I blamed myself for the divorce because I wasn't strong enough and I couldn't, you know, handle the things that were being done to me. You know, it was the first time I actually saw my dad cry. It was when I told him that, like, I blamed myself for everything, which is why I started acting out, why I started getting involved with the, right, with the wrong crowds, why I started indulging in drugs, and which eventually led to my heroin addiction. And, you know, being addicted to heroin at 16, 17 years old, um, I didn't realize how much I was really packing and shoving down, but it all came out in those trainings. And I just started really understanding the language I spoke to myself in and the ways that I was showing up. And, you know, over this period, it's just been gradual, you know, but, but that first sign, you know, that first time that I actually was aware to the bullshit that I've been telling myself, it, it, it just clicked. And, and it then became like a relentless pursuit to trace back everything because I had 
in that moment realized everything I've really lived was a lie. Like, and I did that to myself. So it's just, again, this, this gradual process that I've had. And it's, it's been interesting to also see like how you do anything is how you do everything. Like that's the model. That's the mantra because how I was showing up and, and, and the things I was saying to myself had directly correlated, but the way I had that awareness and the realization and the way I was able to implement it started following me. And I've always had a gift for learning something and being able to immediately apply that information and integrate it, which is why, you know, using plant medicines has always been, you know, for the very limited little experience I have, I've had some, tremendous breakthroughs because I immediately started realizing that I could see something and I can just put it into words and I can, I can then therefore integrate it into almost every setting. So it's like, I didn't realize I had that introspective ability until I was introduced to the language. But once I had a language and a framework to work from, I was able to, to apply it to, to anything and everything I did. That's amazing. Man. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just like in awe of the story of the 16 year old, heroin addict and and where that brought you to now like it, you are super young 27 and, and having the type of um you know success in the world that you have and then the success that you have internally is is just incredible to see a person you know in their 20s at that point and then it makes sense as i hear you talking about you know being 16 years old in this dark place that you know, for lack of a better word, that it like expedited that spiritual journey because it's like you either bring yourself to your your own death or or you find your way out of it. And 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 your teen teenage years and early twenties, man, those are formative years. So it's it's just uh, there's so much of the story that we we may not hear in this podcast, but it's like wow, there's a lot of you know breadth there um, in your experience, and and it's clear that. It's, it's brought you to this point in your life. Um, I, I'm curious to, to bring that forward to primal movement. I know that might be a jump, but for some reason, I feel like, um, one, because you're, you're an expert in this field now. And uh, I'm curious as, where, as to where this came into your life and if it, if it had an impact on your processing of these things as they come up. And, and if there's a link, what would that be? Yeah. And then... Thank you, first and foremost. But yeah, I mean, I discovered the primal movement, and, and we look at primal movement from, from two different angles, or I should say I look at primal movement from two different angles. And the primal movement of how we learn to develop and move as children from birth, um, during my rehabilitation process after my hand, March 2017, I tore my hand open, um, four flexor tendons, radial artery, median nerve repair, um, three months of rehab after that from passive range, got a tenolysis, got the scar tissue removed, got another 12 weeks of rehab, and then another month of hand specialization therapy. And they didn't ever really get me back to full function. And so fast forward into that time, and around August or September of 2017, I was introduced by one of my clients to a chiropractor who specifically used a technique called dynamic neuromuscular stabilization, DNS, um, for using some of my posts and, and looking back at some of my content with clients, you see that I use DNS as one of the main frameworks for how I help graduate people from the rehabilitation phase back into fitness. 
DNS. And essentially, DNS is the combination of uh, the sciences of neurology, orthopedics, chiropractics, and pediatrics. But it uses the platform of developmental kinesiology on you know, how we learn to develop and move as children. And we use babies in certain positions of the life cycle in the motor control model on how we learn to develop and move, you know, starting on the belly and then working our way to our side and rolling and then coming up into more of a prone position. And then we go into our, you know, six months supine, which is also known as happy baby, which is what we see in yoga. And, you know, we use these positions every single day. And that, in, in my mind, redefined my, my language of functional movement. Because a lot of the times in training, you know, you'll walk in day one and you'll immediately start squatting. But we don't actually learn how to start squatting until we're 12 months old. So we've just skipped and bypassed nine months of developmental movements. And it made me look at traditional training. And I said, well, you know, if we can't squat, like, why are we loading a bar back? Like, why was I doing that throughout my entire bodybuilding time? So being introduced to this model, I started understanding exactly how we learn to open them as children. And that is the, the primal, primitive movement of a human being. And shortly after that, going through that course, I learned how important it was for the neurology and the stability of our body. Um, I should say the neurology influenced the stability of our body. And that's kind of when I got introduced to the importance of breath and respiration and stabilization and the influence that if we can't move, a lot of the times it's, it may not be a mobility issue or a flexibility issue. Sometimes it's a stability issue. Most of the time it's a stability issue where if we can resolve the central issue, with the brain and spinal cord, if we can resolve the central issue in the trunk, in the intrinsic core, which is our, our main function of that, is the breathing aspect of our body. If we, can, if we can retrain our breathing, if we can retrain our stability, then we can start retraining our movement and our patterns, and we can learn to, to almost, you know, quote unquote, rewire those patterns. So I went through that, and that was, that was on the you know, the primal development of a human. But then shortly after that, I discovered animal flow. And I've gone through the level one, level two advanced flow design now. And that practice just spoke to me. And me coming from martial arts at the age of five and stopping that practice until the age of about 16 and being, you know, a former wrestler in high school, this just spoke to me. And it was the first practice that I found that I started realizing that it started really helping me with my hand, you know, the planche positions, you know, that they, that we commonly see in gymnastics with the shoulders over our fingertips. I started getting the wrist extension back in my hand. I started feeling that I could stretch my hand in different ways and that I could start loading my body and I could start strengthening everything that I had lost. And, you know, we don't have a camera or a visual, but if you can imagine your first two fingers, and curling into a full fist, I only had about half of that to where my fingers stuck about perpendicular right out of my hand. And over time, I started realizing by applying DNS and applying more animal flow and even incorporating different types of training like kettlebell and steel mace training, which required um, a tremendous amount of grip strength, I started realizing that using these unconventional methods, I, I started getting my hand back and I started to get, becoming stronger. And the more I practiced, it, it, it was like a martial art to me. And I started 
practicing, 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 and, and eventually, and I wouldn't say I'm a master at it, but I'm, I'm highly proficient and I do it almost daily. And that is where I, I started applying the principles of my, my movement-based meditations. And just being somebody who came from someone who wasn't able to express themselves in school being bullied and, and not being able to express myself in a home with chaos and not really understanding how to express myself in, in an emotionally intelligent way to women and within relationships, I started learning how to express myself through movement. Mm. And I developed, and I should say I developed this, you know, I just started applying this principle into my own practice where your tempo reflects your tenacity. And with animal flow, we have certain movements that, that break the cycle. We look at energy roles where we have continuous movement in one direction and we're directing energy in one direction. We have breaks where the energy stops and that's normally when we add a form specific stretch. And that's where we use a slower tempo to, to catch our breath, to give our body a little break. And then after that, we can, we can either continue our energy role in one direction or we can redirect it to another path. So we have freedom of movement using different types of energy um, directions, right? And I started noticing that messing with this tempo, I started actually, if, if, if I was in an enhanced elevated state, which means if I was anxious, if I was nervous, if I was angry, if I was upset, I would move at a much faster pace. But I noticed that when I was calm, when I was relaxed, when I was reserved, when I was sad even, you know, I would move a lot slower. And I started noticing after practicing this daily for now almost two years that I can actually start shifting my emotional expression with my movement expression. So now if I'm in a movement session, if I'm in, a, in an animal flow session with myself, you know, if I'm really, really amped up, if I'm anxious, if I'm nervous, if I'm, if I'm really on edge, I will intentionally move slowly through everything. And after my flow, I'll realize, wow, I can now shift my emotional vibration with my, with my movement. And that's, you know, the, just the principle I've applied where the tempo reflects the tenacity and finding primal movement and, and how we learn to develop as humans and applying that to retrain my stability patterns and incorporating animal flow and, and other techniques such as FRC functional range conditioning to optimize my joint function. I now had a, a, a good balance of mobility, stability, strength, and flow in which now I could apply these principles and essentially teach others how to do that as well and teach them how to get out of their head and into their body and by using their body as a gateway to start shifting the way they think and the way they feel. Man, I, I love that. The, temp, the, the tempo reflects the tenacity. Is that right? Uh, the tempo. Like tempo. Your speed, the tempo. Tempo. Right? Okay. Just, yeah. 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 You know, and, and I, I want to like keynote this for people too that might be listening who, who maybe don't know animal flow or maybe they'd know it and they'd feel like they can't do it. Uh, but what you said there about adjusting your, your tempo, your pace, and how changing your physiology can affect your emotional state, how you can do that, you can activate that uh, resource, no matter what you're doing, whether you're washing dis dishes, right, and you find yourself throwing them over into the sink, you're like, Oh, man, I'm moving really fast and just slowing down and deliberately wiping each dish and then moving it and setting it gently in the next 
thing that that's a very important point for people and and you can use it in your in your voice as you're speaking and slowing down and how that affects your your body and, and your emotional state uh, it seems like a, an invaluable piece of information yeah 100 i mean i remember even the time my sister said that like she saw um washing dishes as her meditation you know and and i watched her one day and i was like wow that that really makes sense and you can again like that's why I say it's just a principle, you know, because you, you take a principle and you apply it to any type of, you know, exercise or activity or anything that you're doing and use it with whatever tool you want. And, and it's, it's, it's boundless. It is. It certainly is. I mean, I can't, um, I can't tell you how that's running for me. I, I'll go out and on a five, 10 mile run and that, that time spent just myself in, in the road or the path that is truly meditative to me even more so sometimes than sitting in breath for for 20 minutes and you're absolutely right i mean that is such a therapy uh for for at least myself uh and and helping to relieve anxiety or stress or anger any of those negative emotions 100 percent. and i mean just like coming from a place where doctors told me that i had severe anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress and all these things, you know, whether it be in a, in a therapeutic or a clinical setting, I've, I've kind of realized that, again, during this practice, like, those are just symptoms, you know, and I, I don't need to constantly treat a symptom you know, all the time, you know, I, the symptoms are just signals and we can, we can move those signals choose and you know the fact that you can do that with running is amazing you know i really do commend anybody who who will run and find a meditative state because that is one of the most uncomfortable things <laughs> in the world to me um but again like get comfortable being uncomfortable and that's exactly. that's the de definition of growth you know Absolutely. so you know kudos to you man kudos to you <laughs> It's uh, it's running and cold showers. Um, those are those are the two things that uh, I'm comfortable being uncomfortable in. You know, I, I did want to. I don't know. Uh, you know, one thing that comes to mind uh, in a point of what you said. You know, I realized my own personal growth when I stopped blaming others for my problems, and I realized that the onus was on me for my own happiness. Those two epiphanies, and I will call them that because that's what they were, were such a life-changing force that I was able to propel myself, you know, further than I had in, you know, the 12, 13 years of my adult life. And it, it sounds like that may be the case for you, but it happened a lot sooner. I don't know if you can delve into that a little bit more. I know, you know, when you're 16, 17, you're addicted to heroin, were you you know, what, what was the driving factor there? Were you blaming others for issues you had in your life? Was it all internal? I'm, I'm curious about that. I was just angry. I was just really, really angry. And a lot of it was just subconscious. Like I wasn't consciously blaming anybody. I wasn't consciously blaming myself. It, it It's actually interesting that, you know, looking back, like, I didn't even get addicted to heroin by saying, oh, I'm going to go do heroin today. Like, I remember distinctly, you know, being in this room and, and 
two guys telling me that, oh, you know, this is, this is BT. And I didn't even know what BT was. I was just in that frame of mind, you know, around the people who I was around and the things that I was doing, you know, like I was, I was fighting a lot, you know, going out to the streets, starting random fights, you know, getting, you know, jumped into these you know, crews or whatever you want to call them. And essentially just fighting for fun, like, because I just enjoyed it and I was just angry. And that's the only thing that brought me any type of relief was fighting and, you know, going down the drug path and, you know, it certainly wasn't just heroin. You know, I, I was going into like marijuana, cocaine, ketamine, ecstasy, you name it. I was, I was pretty much just trying to do it. Um, because subconsciously I didn't have to be myself. I didn't have to feel anything at all. So, you know, when they said, Hey, like, here's BT. I was like, okay, well, I'll try it. And, and the minute it went into my body and I felt nothing, it was, it was, it was, it was game over. Like I was, I was there, I was addicted. Um, so it wasn't even the fact that I was like projecting anything out to anybody else or blaming anybody. It's just, I just didn't want to feel anything at all. You know, something that you bring up there it, it, about your community, <clears throat> the people around you, and you were just around people, maybe you you idolized them because they were funny, or maybe you just were connected to them because they lived down the street. And and it just put you in this position where you, you found that to be the next phase of your life. What were some of the first few communities that you uh, got into that brought a different uh, feeling for life, maybe gave you hope or, 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 or helped you see a different side of you that would then lead to the work that you're doing today? Yeah. I mean, you know, just from, from earlier on, you know, I've, I've dipped my hand in a lot of different communities growing up. So I think the, the first real feeling of community I had was like when I had like my first set of friends going into my freshman year, like I didn't have a lot of friends growing up. I was the smallest kid in class. I was a little nerd. I was bullied. I was picked on, um, not any type of like shoved in a garbage can type of stuff, but you know, just, I was, I was just a weird quirky kid. You know, and I, I creep people out. Like, they don't want to be around me. I'm with you, um, brother. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You know? Yeah. So, you know, once I went to high school, I had, like, my first set of friends. You know, I was, like, weightlifting over the summer. Uh, I ended up going out of the football team, the wrestling team, and got a complete, you know, quote-unquote makeover. You know, got rid of my glasses, got contacts, got rid of my braces, you know, cut my hair. And all of a sudden, I was, I was attractive to people for the first time and that felt good. So, and that's kind of like where my, where my thing with women's with women comes in. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I was the athlete, I was popular and I shouldn't say popular, but you know, I was accepted for the first time. I was attractive for the first time in, in my life. So I thought, and you know, then, you know, I had the experience with sports teams and that's kind of when I realized like I am completely defined of authority. And then once I started, you know, getting in fights and getting kicked out of schools, you know, the four different high schools. And I distinctly remember, you know, I think it was my second school, you know, I met this group of people and, you know, they're in a quote unquote crew and, you know, they, they saw how they could fight. So, you know, being a little mini, you know, gang, if you want to call it, 
you know, they're, they were a little bit older, you know, some of us in high school, some of us out of, some of them out of high school, um, which should have spoke to me and, and gave me an implication of what was going on. And, you know, that's kind of where I felt like, wow, these people actually accept me. And it was the first time I actually felt like accepted, um, not knowing, of course, there was, there was a, an ulterior motive for, for my uses and kind of fast forwarding through that and going through the drug scene, you know, that I, that I found the military, um, ended up getting sober, going to the military and I had a family and that was the first time in which I really kind of was introduced to the, you know, one team, one dream mentality, the team mentality, like if one falls, we all fall. And that, that hit home for me. So that was my true sense of belonging. And that's, that's probably the closest thing I've had um, in terms of community in, in, in a while until I started building my own now, which I'll get to. And, you know, once I was medically discharged in 2016, I got into the bodybuilding and fitness community uh, pretty heavily. And I realized it was very competitive. You know, even though I had people around me, it's kind of like always this comparison, like, oh, well, do I look better? Or does he look better? Or am I bigger? Or is he stronger? And, you know, if I go on stage with him, am I going to win? Or is he going to win? And, you know, it shifted from a one team, one dream to a one man show real quick. Um, and I became very selfish, very indulged, self-indulgent in myself. Um, and after my injury and after, you know, discovering things now, you know, the communities that I'm in are very, you know, rehabilitation focused, very health focused, very, um, you know, longevity based focused people. And I'm thankful for that. And, you know, diving a little bit deeper, getting more into yoga and going into breath work and going to, you know, the cold plunge, you know, and I'm sure as, as all of us <laughs> probably know, um, once you start discovering those things like breath work and cold plunge and cacao ceremonies, it's a whole different group of people, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of across the board, you know, they, you can say they're were woo woo or, or whatever you want to say, um, or, you know, spiritual is what people call them, the spiritual community, which again, I don't really agree with that term. Um, but I think that, you know, being a part of more mindful communities has, has brought me to where I am now to now wanting to create community around me to really enhance our, our conscious efforts of living a, a more optimized life through our, through our mind, through our body and, and through our soul, which is kind of a, an accumulation and a collaboration of a, a lot of the communities that I found after my injury up, up until this point. Yeah. And you've created a community, um, actively on Facebook as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and how you're, you're serving? Yeah. So I had started this community on, on Facebook. It's called activate intention. Um, primarily because my brand is called new intention N E U, um, you know, short for neurology and intention, you know, everything starting from the mind and having being intentional with your body, with your mind, with your spirit and your practice. And so I created this group, Activate Intention, and I started this last year, you know, and I was running, you know, a fall challenge and I was going to do a new year challenge. Um, and I kind of saw it as a different way to, to kind of collectively bring all my clients into one place and start running challenges and doing things like that um, until I realized that I had no idea what the hell I was doing. 
and I got kind of frustrated with it and, and gave up quite quickly. So I had maybe less than 30 people in that group. And of course, like I wasn't consistent and I had my hands in a lot of other places. But once this pandemic hit, it, it called to me and I said, okay, well, if we're going to be out of a gym, if you know, we're going to be social distancing, like how can we stay connected? And, you know, seeing, you know, very good friends and mentors of mine, you know, one being, you know, Matt Gottesman, the other one being Will Armijo, these two men, you know, for the, have been mentoring me over the last year and they've, they've constructed and built massive communities around them um, in business and in nutrition. So, you know, using what they've taught me, you know, I, I started this group up when the pandemic happened, you know, about, about six weeks ago. I think I um, fully built it maybe about four weeks ago. And, you know, now there's a little over 300 members we have in the group. And, you know, I'm, I'm putting some content in there, um, things I'm not putting on Instagram or Facebook. But I'm, I'm overall just trying to have more conversations and connections and discussions but I'm also offering, you know, free and donation-based virtual classes and, and hosting them inside of this community where people can, you know, show up on Mobility Mondays and they can have a workout of the day or a WOD Wednesday and they can have a, a, fr a Friday flow in which now I can bring, you know, people who have been following my work um, and, and, and bring them in and just trying to offer value. So. Inside of that group, I'm doing, you know, free and donation-based virtual classes, um, free and donation-based, of course, for the time being until, you know, things go back to normal. And then, you know, I'll probably have a, a small, small fee, if that, I might not even do that. I haven't even made up my mind. It kind of depends on how everything goes. But I just wanted to create this community to keep people connected and, and to provide value, first and foremost, and to give them different tools and resources and, and a place to come where we're they could find everything, you know, whether it be, you know, access to me and, 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 and my mind and some of my philosophies and my, my thoughts in which they could, you know, relate to and, or whether it was to classes to optimize their body. And more recently I started like a mentorship platform in there and I'm actually working with two men in the group now on their, on their personal professional development, which is something I didn't, even really see as an opportunity um, until I just put it out there. So I also do uh, conscious co coaches corner interviews. So I bring in different coaches who I know, whether it be through, um, you know, mental health performance coaches, whether it be, you know, a swing coach and whether it be another movement coach, uh, a nutrition practitioner, uh, a doctor, you know, everyone who works with someone in my opinion is a coach. And if they know me, chances are they, they do have a conscious head on their shoulder where I, I want to bring them in and I want to, I want to bring them into my community. I want my community to also know um, who else is out there in, in giving people who I truly believe in, you know, a chance to, to come in um, and explain, you know, who they are, what they do. And then for us, you know, just like we're doing right now, just have a conscious conversation about, you know, different topics at hand or different things that they want to talk about or that we're passionate about. And instead of just, you know, having these, you know, discussions when it's just me and them, like, why not record it, bring it in and just provide, again, maximum amounts of value and awareness and impact. Um, and then also in this community, you know, we do, we do connection calls every Sunday at six. And these are probably one of the most impactful things about the group because, you know, just the conversations I've had 
with the group over the last three to four weeks. It is in a it is in a very safe and intimate setting, and you know we're getting very vulnerable. We're talking about the things that are really on our mind. We're expressing how we feel. We're we're connecting with each other and telling each other what we're struggling with, and you know what things we can we can start doing to to move the needle forward in our life. So I select the topic every week. I open it with breath work. I have everybody open up and tell me how they're feeling and, you know, we pick a topic and then we dive deep. And if people need additional support on the call, then, then we as a collective conscious community and people on the call can, can be there as a soundboard and be there as a safe space for them to feel, again, safe to express themselves and not having to hold everything in and pin everything in because it's very easy right now when we don't have a lot of access to, to social resources nor, you know, in general, even if we weren't social distancing, a lot of people don't feel like they have a safe place. So if, if I can host and facilitate that for people, then, you know, that's why I built the community is for people to come and have a safe place and for people to come and have a one-stop shop and, and to redefine human optimization through my body and soul, which has been my tagline since day one, but didn't even realize that the effect or the, or the impact that could have until now. Nathan, where does somebody start? Let's, let's, you know, think back 10, 10 years ago in your life where you find yourself at a rock bottom. If, you know, somebody's listening to this and they feel like they're hitting that bottom, where, where do they start? There's, there's so many avenues to go down and finding that motivation to pick a road and pursue it. What resources do they have to really get that help they need to, to find that transformation? Yeah, I think I think the first step is finding a safe space and finding someone to hold that safe space, whether that be a coach, whether that be a therapist, whether that be anyone, whatever somebody feels safe doing. Like, I don't think there's just one way or where somebody can go. But I, that, that first phase, you know, I mean, we even look at, um, you know, my addiction recovery. When I hit rock bottom, I had to first accept and acknowledge the fact that I had a problem and I want to fix it. And now that I know that, like, what is the best place for me to go? Who do I know? Who do I have in my corner? Who do I trust? And finding someone who you can trust, finding someone who you feel safe with to express yourself in a vulnerable setting and removing the fear of being vulnerable itself. I think that's the first place to start. Boom. Yeah, man. Once, once a person it, it gets the space to, to feel their, their depth and, and their, and their learning to express it freely, uh, you know, for me and, and for a lot of people that I've seen on this type of path, that's like the, the way to catch momentum, right? Like we, when we start to open up, we get to see ourselves, how powerful we are and what's possible. And, and when we have somebody in our life, in our life that can hold that for us, it, it makes it uh, that much easier. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's like, like even just now reflecting on, on everything in the last 10 years for me, it's like, there's so much stuff and there's, and we live in, a, in an age of information and there's so much out there that, you know, things can become easily watered down or convoluted or misdirected or misguided or misinformed. Whereas, you know, if you find that one safe space and that one safe person 
like I look back now and I'm saying, well, it's not like I knew any of those things existed. I just went with one thing and I, and I went all in on it and, and I really dedicated myself to that, to that practice, to that healing, to that journey. And just one thing led to another, to another, to another. And these doors just started opening. It's not like I planned on, you know, three years ago going in, you know, right after my hand injury being like, oh, I'm going to do animal flow. No, I found this, which led to that, which then led to this, which led to that. And it was just a sequence of events that the universe just unfolded for me. But once you take that first step and just creating that momentum, you know, the, once you start filling yourself with, with that energy, and once you start moving your vibration and frequency in that direction, everything just starts falling into place. It's just that first step. That's, that's incredibly powerful. It really is. And, you know, for anybody who's listening and they feel like they don't know which direction to go, take that step, do something, move forward, and then find the next one from there. That's amazing. Um, Nathan, I want to be respectful of your time. It's hard to believe we've been talking for an hour already. Uh, Ernie, do you have any other uh, questions uh, before we kind of bring things to a close? No, man, you can take us home. Uh, Nathan is is the real deal. So if anyone is listening to this and, and no matter what like avenue you're looking to f- sort out your life or make change or progress in some way, um, being in contact with this man can can have a strong impact on that, whether it's on his Instagram or on Facebook or some of the other ways that he might mention here. But yeah, Trey, take us home. Thank you, Nathan. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, on top of that, um, everything that uh, we talked about, uh, the best ways to contact Nathan, those will be listed in the show notes as well as on, on our brand new website. Um, but uh, Nathan, uh, one thing I do like to ask all of our guests before letting them go. Um, I am, I consider myself a a book nerd. And so I always like to hear what is the single most life-changing book you've ever read? Attached. Attached is by far. Yeah. You know, just, just through my own journey of addiction, codependency, all these, all these things that kind of go hand in hand with one another, it's single-handedly, put me into a place and and gave me an understanding of, you know, why am I anxious? And it's okay to be anxious or it's okay to be avoidant. And, you know, within relationships, everything's a relationship. Every person in your life is a relationship. But if I'm feeling these ways, like there are healthier, more secure ways to go about them. And it just changed the entire framework and the language I have with, with everyone in my life. And uh, who's that by? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head who the exact author is. Um, That's all right. We'll put in the show notes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that's that's amazing. I am absolutely going to check that out. But um, Nathan, before we let you go, what is the best way for people to find out more about you, connect with you, shout out at you, whatever, whatever your preference is? Yeah. So, um, first and foremost, thank you, Ernie and Trey, for having me on the Most Egg Life podcast. It was an absolute uh, honor and privilege. I'm, I'm so happy I was able to share um, as much value as I possibly could at this time. Um, yeah. So, thank you both. 
And, you know, people can find me at my website. It's www.neweu.intention.com. And then they can find me across all platforms at Nathan Kohlerman, Nathan Kohlerman, um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. It's, it's pretty much all the same thing there. Awesome. And if they want to join your Facebook group, they just connect with you on Facebook. Is that the best way to do that? Yep. Or they can just search activate intention and they just request to join and, uh, they can be inside the community. Awesome. Nathan, seriously, thank you so much. Um, this was eye opening for me. Uh, a lot of it, it, it bred a lot of motivation within me. So I'm looking forward to going back, listening to this and, and taking a lot of it into practice. So from a personal standpoint, thank you so, so much. And from our listeners, you know, I, I can't wait to share it. So thank you again. Of course. Thank you so much, Trey. I appreciate you both. Uh, Ernie, especially thank you for uh, the introduction and bringing me on the show and introducing me to Trey. Um, I'm excited to see where else this, this may lead us. Yeah. Yeah. Me too, man. Awesome, guys. Thank you again, and uh, take care. Huge thank you again to Nathan Kohlerman for joining us for this podcast. What an incredible conversation that was. If you want to learn more about Nathan, check your show notes or go to onemosaic.life and find him in the interview section. And while you're scrambling around the interwebs, I would highly encourage you check out his activate intention facebook group it is a highly engaging community with great content also while you're at the one mosaic dot life podcast website join the circle what is the circle you may ask well it is our be in the know email list and and if you sign up during the month of may you will be entered to win our very first vibe box And what that is, Ernie is going to handpick a book that has changed his life. I am going to handpick a book that has changed my life. You're also going to get a brand new journal for your use and some other goodies as well. You can only do that at onemosaic.life. Enter your email and you will be entered to win. Last but not least, if you're on Instagram, I know you are, follow us at onemosaiclife. And if you are an Apple podcast user, leaving us a five-star review will go a long, long way in helping others find out about us. And it's something that we truly appreciate. So again, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Nathan, for being on the podcast. We will be back with you soon. Be well and take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.